All right, everybody, we are back. This is Barbacoa, Big Red, Basketball. I'm John Lugo, joined by Will Darnell, and oh my god, we got our first big trade. Will, the big trade happened. <laughs> there was a big trade. <laughs> if you don't know the big trade, it happened just about an hour or so ago, and it was... Why did I say that? This is going to come out at a later time. <laughs> <laughs> and we're starting over now. <laughs> the deal was... The deal happened early Saturday. Um, it was Carmelo Anthony. Also known as Hoodie Mellow, apparently. <laughs> I've, I've caught up on the meme. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the meme later. Carmelo Anthony of the Knicks, who's been very disgruntled for years... Is finally out of New York and is joining the Thunder. He is being sent to the Thunder in exchange for Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a 2018 second round pick originally owned by Chicago. So, Will, as this news broke, what went through your mind? Clay Bennett, the owner of the Thunder, is going to have to do a lot of fracking, y'all, to pay that luxury <laughs> tax bill. He's going to have to frack everything. Oh Look out, God. if there's any natural gas or oil my house, <laughs> it's going to get fracked. Because <laughs> that's a big-ass luxury tax bill. Oh, my God. That's the first thing that went through my mind. Really? Is that the league's cheapest owner now has one of the highest payrolls in the league. I'm just, regardless of how much Carmelo Anthony contributed to the downfall that was New York over the past half-decade... I am just really happy that he's finally on a good team. I feel like this is the first time in his career that he's on a team. Well, some of those Denver teams were good, but hes I don't think he's been on a team as good as this. Definitely not with as many stars as this. Yeah, I think that you could call it escape from New York and hope that Carmelo <laughs> is better than Kurt Russell was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Because <laughs> that movie was garbage. Okay, that's that's already... <laughs> I can't think straight now. <laughs> How can you throw such not only a curveball, but such an awful curveball at me? That's such a bad take. <laughs> that movie was bad. Anyway, back to basketball. Not bad. Very bad movie. Um, Let's talk... Sh- should we start with whether or not it's a good trade? Is it a good trade for the Thunder? Yeah. For the Thunder, yeah, absolutely. Is it a good I, trade for the Knicks? Yeah, I think both teams come out winning this deal. Yeah, so the uh, the Rockets kept trying to give the Knicks some form of Ryan Anderson and other stuff. We never really know what the other stuff was. The Knicks never took it. Yesterday, there were reports that Carmelo, yesterday being Friday, there were reports that Carmelo would accept a trade to OKC or Cleveland. Bing, bam, boom. Today, he's accepted a deal to go to the Thunder. He loses some money because he let go of his trade kicker. Yeah. Had to kick his no trade clause. Um, and his cancer is apparently beloved in the Oklahoma City community, and he was apparently heartbroken. He, there's a video on Twitter where he says goodbye to the fans. Very classy. Yeah, yeah. He's going to have a lot easier time getting good halal in New York, I think, because <laughs> you can literally throw a basketball in any direction and hit a halal cart in New York. I don't think that's the case in Oklahoma City. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And um, so, I mean, let's get into it. Okay, so... OKC, their new starting lineup. It's going to have Westbrook, Robertson, George, Mello, and Adams. Just... Yeah, with Pat Pat coming off the bench, Patrick Patterson. 
Yeah, who's um, awful in 2K18. Don't play with, the th- don't we'll, play with him. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, I think that the Thunder are easily the second best team in the NBA with that starting lineup. That is my hottest, oh, hottest take. Oh, I think man. that they're better than the Rockets now. I definitely think they're better than the Spurs. I, Man, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know if I can go that far. They probably are better than the Spurs. I don't know about the Rockets. I just... It seems really, really good on paper. If anything, OKC should still be ecstatic whether or not this truly works out. This is a good deal. Yeah. So, and, Mar- and Carmelo's a fit. He really he is. Fits. He really is. Way better than Ennis Cantor. <laughs> I mean, Ennis, I'm unplayable in the playoffs Cantor is uh, now doesn't have to worry about that because he's never making the playoffs again because he's on the New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I mean, this this is just going to... I don't see a way that it fails. Like, I think one option that it fails is that Carmelo, who hasn't played a ton in the past three years, gets injured really early in the season and the Thunder's terrible depth got even worse in this trade is like they're just decimated and they have to play guys like Samaji Christian whose name I learned today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Melo to me seems like the perfect third star to work with Westbrook and George. I think, I mean, this may be too overly optimistic, but I'm just trying to look at the bright side here and I think this is really what's going to happen. I just, all of the... The ways that it could fail, people worry, is, um, I guess, like, ball hogging, not knowing how to properly distribute the possessions. I think that Carmelo is just going to be grateful of not being in New York anymore and actually being on a good team that will make the playoffs that he is willing to relegate to the third star status and to just... Fill in where he's needed. He's got. He's needed a lot. Like I mean, you can't make it to the finals without three stars anymore. Uh, but I think he's going to embrace that now. I think he's just happy to be on a winning team again. I agree. I I really can't see a downside in any way for Carmelo and the Thunder. I think that a lot of people, including myself, were very very concerned with the prospect of Carmelo being traded to the Rockets because that's not a fit. But I think that this is much better of a fit. I think Carmelo instantly slots in. He's on the record in the past of saying that he wouldn't mind being the second or third option on a team. It would take the load off of him. He's obviously done it with Team USA countless times. If they get that Carmelo and he's still actually good, then the Westbrook and George issues aside, Thunder a really scary team, I think. (laughs) They are really... I think the thing that scares me the most about this trade is that they didn't lose anyone that important to them. Like, yeah. Ennis Cantor, uh, Melo Easley, uh, he's a different player from Cantor, but he's going to fill in like in an even better role than Cantor ever had. And McDermott, I like McDermott, but he never had, he never got the flow going yeah. in OKC. I hope he does well in New York. But I hope let's... he finds that sauce up in New York. <laughs> Come on, Dougie McBuckets. You can do it. <laughs> but they still have defensive versatility. They're still super athletic. And now they have another star who is still one of the best offensive players in the league. Small caveat, all of this is pretty much contingent on Carmelo being willing to play power forward. Something he's been reticent to do in the past. He's going to have to play a ton of power forward on the Thunder for this to be successful. Even 
I don't even think that's going to be that big of a problem because being power forward in New York, he was the one who had to handle all the physicality because Kristaps was still very frail, skinny. I mean, he's still really young. He hasn't been able to bulk up yet. And in OKC, Steven Adams is going to be the one handling all the dirty work. And if it and if it gets to him too much, he could easily switch with Paul George. They could just alternate between the three and the four. Yeah, and Patrick Patterson, they could have like a triple like rotation for three and four there. So I was just trying to find a small like downside. Um, but... Do you think that Steven Adams is the most overrated center in the league? Because our our DC correspondent, Trent Johnson, had that hot take later. He's also gone completely nuclear over this deal. Oh my gosh. I, most overrated? I mean, most I overrated center in the league. I don't I didn't even know he had enough attention on him to warrant being the most overrated center in the league. I think when the Thunder lost to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Like, during that time was, like, peak people-loving Steven Adams time. Yeah. I think right then, at that moment, he was super overrated. But I think last season he was properly rated, which is no one gives a shit about him. He's, like, fine, okay player for your team. But I don't think that he's overrated. By any stretch of the imagination, I don't think he's overrated. I just wanted to clown Trent. And anything, I think this will be a bounce back year because he kind of... he he's He's just not that great of an offensive player, and he had to handle more on offense last year with the loss of Durant, and now he can just go back to doing all the dirty work now that Melo is here, and right. Paul George. Well, let's uh, let's kick it to the Knicks for like 45 seconds. What do you think of this deal for the Knicks? I really, really like it a lot. Um, I'm sure they would have preferred to leave on much better terms from Carmelo Anthony, but it's ever since the day that they drafted Kristaps, People knew that it was going to be his team eventually, and it was just a matter of when. So I think from that angle, I would be looking forward to watching the Knicks. They're going to lose a lot more games, but we're going to be able to see Kristaps expand his game, be the face of the franchise for real now. Do you think Ennis Cantor and Kristaps Porzingis see the court at the same time? And who do they defend with that lineup? I mean, I would think that's the starting front court. Who, who would you start in place of Cantor? I mean, I have no idea. I just think it's going to be hilarious for those two to be on the court at the same time. I mean, I think that they, I mean, they kind of complement each other pretty well. I mean, Kristaps can shoot. Kristaps can be on the outside, Cantor on the inside. I'm talking specifically about defense. Kristaps <laughs> is not a bad defender. Okay, we're going to see. We're going to see if he can carry the defensive load. Okay. 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 Moving on. Hold. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are you sad that Carmelo's not going to be a rocket? No, I'm glad that he's not going to be a rocket. I think this is going to fail spectacularly for the Thunder in my Rockets fan voice. Um, in my objective wait. voice, I think it's going to be fine, and the, the Thunder will probably beat the Rockets in the second round. <laughs> I've already seen all the Chris Chris Paul guaranteed to lose in the second round of the playoffs again jokes. <laughs> I see him. Thanks, everyone. That's hilarious. Cool. I'm going to go kill myself now. <laughs> so, are you sad that Ryan Anderson is still a Rocket? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am very sad of that. Um, I think that it's really funny that Ennis Cantor's value is higher than Ryan Anderson's at this point. But I'm also not surprised because I was I was having an argument at the barbershop earlier. And so I did some I did That some, always starts <laughs> off well. I did some stat checking and Ryan Anderson had his worst year in five years last year. 
In what way? Uh, lowest points, rebounds, and field goal percentage totals. Holy shit. <laughs> That's really bad. Not a lie. Okay, so uh, before we move on, two questions real quick. I mean, they may take a while, but... <laughs> One, what are we supposed to think of Carmelo Anthony's legacy in New York? I don't really go in for shit like that, but I'll say that it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I Like, having a legacy as a Nick and your name isn't, like... The last time someone had a positive Nick's legacy was probably, like, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. <laughs> so... His legacy is bad. They made the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference semifinals one time. Um, then they never made the playoffs again. He ran Mike D'Antoni out. He ran Jeremy Lin out of town. Ooh, I don't know. It was really bad. That's what I'll say. It wasn't Isaiah Thomas bad, but it was really bad. Okay, and if you had to bet that this time next year this OKC trio is still there, do you bet yes or no? I would bet my life on no. <laughs> Still nothing at all has changed about that. You've been to Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. I just... They'd have to win the championship. And even then, I don't even know if they would come back. <laughs> like, what would be the point at that point? I mean, not even, like, Western Conference Finals? You don't think they'd come back? No, because I think that this team would still get dusted by the Warriors at full strength. But that's everybody. <laughs> Yeah, but why would you come back to a team if this is, like, as good as it gets for your team, and then next year you have to pay Paul George and Carmelo probably the tippy-top max, and your luxury tax bill, which is already going to be insane this season, is going to triple, maybe, next season. Why would you bring that team back if they get swept by a younger team in the Warriors? Are you saying that from OKC's perspective? Like, you wouldn't want them like, to come if back? if I was Sam Presti, I wouldn't want to sign those guys if they get swept by the Warriors. I would want to sign Paul George, but I don't want to sign Carmelo. I don't want to re-sign Carmelo to get swept by the Warriors again. So you think the day that the Warriors destroy the Thunder in the second or conference finals, Presti is saying that he's ready to blow this up? Is he saying, like, out loud, publicly, that he's ready to blow this up? No. But I think that he's thinking it. That at least, at the bare minimum, they don't want Carmelo more than this year. There's no I, upside there. I mean, I would just think... Oh, well, first off, with the Melo thing, he has a player option for the following year, so... Oh, fuck. That's like... <laughs> I, don't, I think he'll decline that regardless, though. I mean, that's been the reason why he hasn't been able to get a trade so far, is because everyone thought he would opt in. If he has even, like, a relatively good season next year, he can decline that. And the Lakers will pay him all the money. And, I mean, I think OKC would still bring them back because if you don't do that, then what do you do? If you if you decide to give up on this team, that means George and Anthony are gone. Russell, I don't see Russell Westbrook wanting to stay if... I hope that they... No, they can't do that. That's not... I was thinking maybe a sign-and-trade thing, but that's not really how it works anymore. No. Um, I don't know. If this team is five games above five hundred after the All-Star break, do they trade one of these guys? I mean, I think they're going to be way over five games <laughs> above five hundred. And But if they're not, yes? I don't see... Do you see a scenario where they struggle? Like Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins scenario where they're just it just doesn't work and they're not good. No, because 
Davis and Cousins are too similarly positioned, and these guys all can complement each other pretty well. Okay, I'm just setting up straw man arguments. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't I, want this to work. I really don't want it to work at all. I do, because I do not like going into a season thinking that... I I don't mind going into a season thinking the Warriors are probably going to win it all relatively easily, but I don't want to think to myself, they're going to fucking destroy everybody all over again and maybe go undefeated in the playoffs. I want it to be as tough as possible. I want there to be an underdog and not just a, a joke of a chance of a team beating the Warriors. I want there to be some slight chance of the Warriors being destroyed. <laughs> That's a hot take, y'all. How is that a hot take? John just indirectly said that he thinks the Thunder have a chance against the Warriors with this lineup. Hot take. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> I was saying I'd rather the Warriors face a team that will push them to 6 or 7 than 4 or 5. Okay, so you think that this team, that was going to be my next question, you think this team could take them to 6 or 7 games? I think they would lose in 6 at this point. What if playoff Westbrook shows up? (laughs) (laughs) The same Westbrook that has lost several series in his career, including last year to the Rockets, including the year before that to the Warriors. I mean, all those went to 6 games or so. (laughs) The Rockets series went to 5. But with, the, with no stars. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But the year before that went to... Was that a seven-game series against the Warriors? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a seven-game series that the Thunder should have won in five, right? That yeah. was when so they... So now they lost in seven. That was, they, well, that was when they blew a 3-1 lead before blowing a 3-1 lead. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we probably should move on now. We both say it's a net A-plus for the Thunder, right? Absolutely. And like a B... For the Knicks? Yeah. They I, got something back for Carmelo that's not Ryan Anderson, which would just be awful. They had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. What do we have? What's up next? Okay, so up next we got talking about the Harden rule and the Zaza rule. Two new rules implemented by the NBA to avoid an issue that's been going on. Uh, the Zaza issue specifically from last postseason and the Harden rule, I guess, for as long as Harden has been a good player. Okay, <laughs> um, let's see if I can I can explain the Harden rule, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah, I haven't read a ton about this. I, I saw it when it first came out, and I assumed that it was what I think. So the Harden rule is when a guy is fouled, like he's hacked on the arm, and he throws up a shot after that. Yes. Now that can be called an offensive foul, if it's obvious enough. I think the way I interpreted it was that not that it was an offensive foul, but that if if the guy bumps into you and then you try to shoot, it'll just be a regular foul, uh-huh. not not a shooting, okay, not foul. A shooting foul. And I think, oh my god, I, I need to read up on it again, but I'm pretty sure that another component of it is that if you try to bait someone into falling for your fake and they don't fall for it, and so you instead just... Ab- it's obvious that you you instead just try to jump straight into them to try to draw the foul. That is an offensive foul. Okay, so I think that based on that, the way that this is going to turn out is when like international soccer tried to police flopping, and they made if you if you flopped trying to get a foul called on the other team, you could get a yellow card instead of the other team being penalized. I don't think that this is going to be often called. I think it's going to be pretty ineffective, and I think it's going to be controversial as fuck if it's a playoff game. And James Harden takes a three-pointer and somebody fouls him and they call an offensive foul. This is going to hurt guys who play, small guys who play in the paint like Kyrie 
and guys who drive a lot like DeMar DeRozan and Lou Williams is of the world who rely on getting contact and then finishing. Yeah. I think that's bad. I, it'll be good if like guys stop jumping into people and then throwing up wild shots. Yeah. Because that's disgusting. Yeah. And it happened, what, like 10, 15 times during the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not three-point fouls. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's specifically an offensive foul, but I think that's like now like no longer grounds for calling a defensive foul, a defensive yeah. shooting foul at least. I, I agree with them eliminating the shooting foul aspect of it. Because yeah. I think this is most often used to try to get a three-point shooting foul. Yeah. Yeah. Like people trying to like intentionally foul... And the player on offense, knowing it, just throws it up from wherever he's at just to see if he can get those three free throws. And But I have no qualms whatsoever with a guy like Harden or Ginobili in the past going into someone in the paint and then finishing. That's I think that that's a fair basketball play. Bro, don't you dare mention <laughs> Mono Ginobili in the same breath as James Harden about the... It's called the Harden rule, not the Manu rule. It's because Manu was washed and old, yes, yes. Manu blocking Harden, not Jeff. <laughs> Whatever, I don't care. Um, it seems like a good rule. Now explain the Zaza rule to us. The Zaza rule is basically... it. You saw what happened... Again, when the Spurs and Warriors faced each other in the conference finals last year, in the game one, uh, with the Spurs up by like 20, Kawhi took a shot, Zaza jumped up to defend the shot, and then once he landed, it's obvious that he took like two or three more steps into his space, and then Kawhi hurt his ankle and was out the rest of the series because of that. And so now this Zaza rule says that if any defensive player does do that, uh, clearly gets so far into their space that it's dangerous and it could injure them, that could be called a flagrant foul now. That seems extreme, in what, my opinion. Why? Calling that a flagrant. I just didn't feel like this is another one that's going to be hard to police. I mean, it'll it'll be hard to police, but like I think the point of it is to dissuade players from doing it because... like. With Zaza, it was obvious yeah. that he was up to some shady shit. I think it's I I it's don't for the Zazas and the Kelly Olynyks of the world. I think <laughs> I think they'll wave off the sh- the plays that are pretty blurry. But whenever it's like clear in Zaza's case, when the guy takes like fucking three steps toward the player and puts his foot under his other foot to yeah. hurt his ankle, those are the plays that they're talking about here. Like I get how yeah. I get how it can be complicated whenever it looks more natural. But they're just trying to rule out the dirty shit like Zaza does. Dirt, Zaza's a dirty motherfucker. That guy. <laughs> wow. I John's hate Zaza. dropping an F bomb. He dropped the first one of the episode. I just want to let you guys know that my mom suggested for our long term success potential that we drop fewer F bombs. And John has now violated that decree. <laughs> Zaza deserves that. <laughs> okay, and I think. They, we were on our way to a title before Zaza did that. <laughs> we are not going to get into Spurs fan thinking that they were going to win the series. Please, God, look, stop me Look now. up the score when that happened. <laughs> oh, my God. I hear this so often that the Spurs would have won the championship if Kawhi didn't get injured. Which, I get it. You're a San Antonio fan, so you have fewer brain cells than a normal person. But, for fuck's sake. Anyway... Speaking of (laughs) F-bombs. Oh, yeah, okay, my bad. Um, So, speaking of F-bombs, you say that Zaza Pachulia is a dirty player, and I think that this specific rule is only, I agree with you, it's only designed to police these 
intentionally dirty players. Yeah. Speaking of guys like Bruce Bowen and, you know, other guys who've been on the Spurs over the years, dirty, dirty players like Bruce Bowen. You can't prove that. Bruce Bowen. <laughs> that was like over six years ago. There's no evidence. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Beverly. This probably hurts you too. <laughs> yeah, no longer. Well, his his thing is going after people's knees, not their ankles. So yeah, he's still. But I'm sure he's not like above doing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no other thoughts about that. I guess we can move on. Um, listener questions. We had a few questions that we wanted to go through. Our first Twitter question comes what, to us what? comes to us from old friend Kyle Drew from Denton. He says, "I'm still salty. The Celtics traded Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas. What are your thoughts, Will?" Uh, my immediate thoughts are: I'm really glad if I was a Celtics fan that they traded Isaiah Thomas because he's tiny and he's out for half the season, and he had hip surgery, which is always bad in every sport. Your hips are like one of the most underrated parts of your body. <laughs> um. As for Avery Bradley, I I agree with that, that I am sad that they traded Avery Bradley. I didn't really understand that deal at the time. But I guess maybe there was some behind-the-scenes stuff? I don't know. With Isaiah Thomas, I think most Celtics fans understand why it happened, but they were just really bummed out when it happened because he's the first, like, I guess, basketball hero, I guess, since, like, prime Paul Pierce that they've had. Like, he's the first guy to be, like, the clear leader of the team. I like that we were just pretending that Rajon Rondo didn't used to be good at basketball because he's a homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good—I mean, it's a good thing for society that we pretend that those years just didn't happen. <laughs> that and also he did nothing on offense. <laughs> he couldn't do anything on offense. He could—he could not be. Guys, we have to pause the podcast for around five to seven minutes while I show John <laughs> prime YouTube videos of Rajon Rondo dusting fools inside the paint. I'd love to see that three-point highlight reel that Rajon Rondo has. That's mean. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, I mean, just like you said, they had to do it. He was heading into a contract year. They could not pay the max contract to a guy who's like 5'9 and undergoing hip surgery. You have no idea if Isaiah Thomas will ever be the same player that he is again. Small guys, they get injured just don't take the risk. Like, you want to keep your money? Like, that's a dumb investment. They're all they're already at such a disadvantage with their with their height. So, like, any injury is just could be catastrophic. When he said that they were already at a disadvantage, I assumed he meant because Boston was racist and no one wants to play there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. But uh, and Avery Bradley, I Avery Bradley was another contract thing. Like. Avery Bradley was also in a contract year. They were going to have to pay him next year. And from what I understood, this trade was part of what had what had to be done to clear up space for Gordon Hayward. And at the time, they had to choose between either trading Avery Bradley or Marcus Smart. And I think they chose Marcus Smart because they knew that Smart could never get a deal as big as... Yeah, could get as big of a deal as Bradley would in free agency. Yeah. So if Bradley has, like, a good season and he averages, like, 17 points per game and his defense doesn't move, like, in a negative direction, he's going to make someone pay him the max. Yeah. At le- at I least don't want to pay Avery Bradley the fucking max. Yeah, let, no de- let Detroit do that. <laughs> Detroit will have to do that, you know? <laughs> The dumbasses in Detroit. But... Joe Duvar and his two cell phones will be on the phone with <laughs> Avery Bradley. Yeah, so, I mean, I can understand it, but ultimately... I could understand how this 
this summer kind of had like an oddly underwhelming feeling for the Celtics because they got they technically got better, but I don't know. They I, only have like six guys on their team. <laughs> I was about to say they technically got better, but they went through such a roster overhaul. It doesn't feel like the same team anymore. So I would understand why it doesn't feel as good as last year, even though they're. I think they're going to be better. I mean, I just have two words for you. Eastern Conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter how long it takes for them to be good. As long as Hayward or Irving don't miss months of action, they're fine. Yeah. That's I, saying something, though, because both of those guys have been injured in their careers before. Yeah, yeah. So, Boston wins out. Pal, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Tyler, our friend Tyler Owens, <laughs> says Elvis Andrews is having a career season with the Rangers, and he thinks that it's being overlooked. It's going to continue. Okay, so... <laughs> I, I want to say one baseball-related thing. Okay? I've been to lots of baseball stadiums, and the only time that I ever have fun was at the ballpark in Arlington. The Rangers are actually a fun team. Yeah. They have fun walk-up music. Yeah, yeah. And that is it for baseball talk. They also have, like, garlic corn dogs, <laughs> which is cool. I can't say I've ever had the pleasure of eating their food. <laughs> but All right. okay. All right, our friend Robert Jimenez... Just commented. I think his only comment was more barbacoa. <laughs> uh, he also asked us to talk about the Mellow trade. But obviously, we knew that already. But... Um, guys, well, just like a, a quick thing. Like, Michael, our other friend, also asked us to talk about some specific things. Um, try and make your questions, like, things that are not, obviously, in the news cycle that we're definitely going to talk about. <laughs> like, I want to be more specific than, like, talk about that giant basketball trade on your basketball podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. But, so... About barbacoa. Yeah. Last week... The Lord's meat, as I call it. <laughs> last week, right after we posted this podcast, we went out and got barbacoa from Laredo Taqueria, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. <laughs> it was a beautiful place. <laughs> On Washington, here in Houston. I was technically right off Washington. I think that's important distinction to make. Because <laughs> when we heard that there was a good barbacoa place in Houston and it was near Washington I was skeptical to say the least because Washington for those of you who don't know don't live in Houston is one of the more gentrified areas of Houston this place was right off of Washington yeah, yeah. whenever I heard Washington Washington too I was like they're gonna drag to some velvet taco looking place <laughs> yeah I don't want a motherfucking fusion taco <laughs> get that shit out of here um, anyway the place was packed when we got there there were people to the door which is always a great sign. Yeah. They had the food in, like, pre-made dishes where they just scooped in the tortillas. It was a beautiful, elegant system. All of the ladies who worked there were bilingual, which was great. For <laughs> white people like myself. Personally, I can order in Spanish, but I know lots of you lovely white basketball fans out there <laughs> cannot. This place is for you. We, we tried several different tacos. The barbacoa was fabulous. Oh my god. That there was a piece of random fat in my taco, <laughs> which means that it's real. <laughs> if you've never eaten barbacoa before, that means that that's the real stuff. Um, the cheek meat was flowing and elegant. Um, the carne asada, mm, mm -hmm. it was top notch, man. Ooh, I love some gravy. <laughs> yeah, I had those and also had the spicy fajita, which was also amazing. Just That place was just so good. It was just not only the food itself, but the atmosphere of it. It. It just, it reminded me like I was back in Del Rio. It looked so much like a place on the border of Mexico. It had the feel of it, the people, the decorations. The... They, they obviously had the uh, half liter Big Cokes, but oh, they yeah. also had Fanta, 
They had your Haritos. They had everything in there. It was delicious. It and was your delicious. Big Red. And your they big... also <laughs> had Big Red in the wild, which was great. We saw Big Red at James Coney Island, another beautiful Houston establishment. Laredo <laughs> Taqueria, much better than James Coney Island. <laughs> one, one thing that's like one of the best feelings in the world is whenever you take a bite out of a new food and like... The moment it hits your taste buds, you realize that this has immediately jumped all the way up or near the top of your favorite foods to eat. And the moment I ate, the moment I bit into the barbacoa taco, I was thinking to myself, this may be the best barbacoa I have ever had. So unfortunately, we started at the top. So we don't really know where to go now. <laughs> I don't really want to eat the barbacoa from our local gas station, the Sunny Food Mart, <laughs> considering they just heat up the tortillas out of a bag from the gas station. <laughs> and it's like, if you're not making the tortillas, you're not even doing like half the work. They do their monsters and Topo Chicos perfectly, though. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They serve excellent monster at the Sunny Food Mart. Um, so we're going to try out some more barbacoa sometime this week. If you know of any places, let us know. Shout us out, shout us out. Okay, so another thing that happened in the NBA, not on real <laughs> life, in the virtual world, oh, yeah. 2K18 came out. Woo! And it is fun. I love it. I think that it is overly complicated. <laughs> I think that it's difficult. It's aggravating. It's unrealistic. <laughs> And if I could get full retail price back for it, I would trade it in right now. He's being salty because he hasn't had as much luck or success as I have in the game so far. Luckily for me, minutes before we taped this podcast, I won my first game and I did beat John Lugo. Yeah, I was playing OKC pre-Mello trade. Pre-Mello, I was the Washington Wizards and he got dusted by four points. And unfortunately, we haven't gone beyond... The quick play and yeah. online play. Online play is still, if you're wondering, very bad, just like it has been for the existence of 2K games forever. The game itself is fine, but it's so freaking complicated and like uh, to get it connected. Yeah, it's really glitchy. I just don't understand how games like FIFA have been out and doing this super well for like FIFA Online has been great for like the last five years. Like you can play an online league with no trouble and no drop off. And NBA 2K's online stuff is still terrible. And I don't know if this is supposed to be the way it's supposed to be, but if the other person is initiating the online match, your screen is just flashing, looking like it's glitching or something. <laughs> but then it turns out fine. If the connection works, then that's you just move on from that. So we'll have a more in-depth review of the other features later. Um, I found out earlier today that Network, Jason Concepcion, actually wrote parts of it. <laughs> yeah. And I saw some of the screenshots. <laughs> and they are so funny. Like, apparently the story mode is really, really funny. But we haven't had a chance to play that. We both have lovely full-time civil service jobs. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. Nine to five for John, five to three for me. It's hard. It's hard out here. Um, okay, that brings us to our last... So far, I guess we'd say thumbs up for 2K. I really am just salty because it's a much harder game. And it's been like three years since I played, so... It's a really good game, though, so far. Yeah, I definitely want to go back to playing it after we're done here. <laughs> okay, so... Last topic that we'll talk about this week. It's a lesson in social media. <laughs> That, unfortunately, Kevin Durant learned the hard way. Do not have fake accounts. 
Just don't do it. <laughs> As anyone who's ever run social media for a website and has used TweetDeck or Hootsuite knows, make sure you're on the right account, motherfucker. So the thing that started this all off was that um, it became obvious that Kevin Durant had other accounts because he tweeted from his own account in the third person telling someone who was critical of him leaving OKC for the Warriors that he left because they didn't have anyone else on the team besides Westbrook and he didn't like playing for Billy Donovan. He tweeted this from his confirmed verified Twitter account accidentally. Yep, in the third person. So it was either he just likes to disassociate from his body and just <laughs> and just likes to refer to himself in the third person or he meant to do this under another account to try to defend himself. So some internet sleuthing commenced and people found Kevin Durant's fake Twitter accounts, they found his fake Instagram accounts. Yeah. Where he argued with 16-year-olds and called them fuckboys and all sorts of other stuff. And he tried to defend this at was it TechCrunch? Tech yeah, it yeah. was TechCrunch. This, like, the joke has been made, is not an episode of Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Durant legitimately went to TechCrunch and was interviewed and tried to defend his social media policies. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, he has apologized, said that it was wrong, said that he hasn't been sleeping or eating. And he, he kind of, it felt like he was kind of missing the point. Like, the thing that he was saying at TechCrunch was that, like, He's trying to be interactive, engaged with the fans. He's trying to show that he's a lot like them than they think, and yeah. things like that. It's like that's so not. He's that... a petty bitch who listens to Marvin's Room by himself <laughs> at home, drinking well, champagne and tweeting mean things at twelve year old. <laughs> like the, the problem isn't that. It's like if you're gonna. Like we've seen him talk shit to people under his real account. Yeah, so just what? Use a real account, man. Why don't, does? Don't talk shit about the Thunder organization. As like fake accounts, that's so dumb. It feel it. I feel like that only shows how fragile his personality is. That people he, would love him way more if he came out and said that Billy Donovan was a punk bitch and playing with Russell Westbrook <laughs> was awful. He would be a legend. And like, not only that, but like, if you can't handle that, if you need to like feel the need to defend yourself as a fake person, then you should probably just delete your account. Or maybe just de- <laughs> maybe just delete your app on your phone and then check it later on the computer and yeah, then yeah. just be done with it. Or like install like some sort of two step verification for tweeting, or have your assistant do all your tweeting or something. You need to put him like on a Trump social media post. Yeah, every- or someone takes his fucking phone. <laughs> like I saw some uh, a quote from Draymond where he said like I I reached out to him and I told him I felt for him and then when I saw him in person I laughed in his face. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is coming from a guy who posted his dick on Snapchat once. It really is like in the okay in the in the grand scheme of NBA things, this is like a non-story. Like it doesn't matter. Like there's been countless dick pics. Oh, speaking of dick pics, I've made several Paul George dick jokes <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. For those of you who don't know, in 2014, Paul George got catfished, and pictures of his penis were on the internet. When John and I worked at a college newspaper, (laughs) we were in the newspaper office. I would send those to John and everyone else in the office. (laughs) They would think that it would be a work... I was the editor of the newspaper. (laughs) Just as added context, I would send those pics to them. It was it was definitely sexual harassment. But (laughs) anyway, Paul George had some dick pics. Draymond Green, just last year, had some dick pics. Like, it's... The NBA and social media, that's why it's the greatest league there is, is because we get to, like, see these people as they are. Yeah. And Kevin Durant is a fragile person. 
and I feel for him for that, but I don't also. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like to cover your bases, we should say that he did not send that dick pic to any of the woman workers at at the Daily. It was only to the sports guys. (laughs) It was was just to John and some other dudes. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like... Uh, one thing, um, I listened to Bomani Jones's podcast, The Right Time, and one thing that he brought up that is amazing that no one has gotten into yet is that he flat out said he didn't like playing for Billy Donovan, and no one has asked him about that, no one, I feel yeah. like, I feel like the content itself has been skipped over completely just because it came from a different account. but he's straight, That's the most interesting part of it, for sure. He straight up said he didn't like playing for Billy Donovan and that he thought that the team was trash outside of Westbrook. Which is just a fact. That's a verifiable fact. <laughs> I mean, Steven Adams' feelings are probably a little bit hurt, but, you know, everyone else can probably just go fuck off because yeah. they're terrible at basketball. I mean, I like to... They were, they were just never good at finding a third offensive player. Like, it was always just Westbrook and Durant and a bunch yeah. of flawed flawed players with with a narrow skill set. Yeah. But, I mean... I, it's weird that they're not... No one's discussing the Billy Donovan thing. Um, which gives me hope, once again, returning to our top story of the day, that Carmelo doesn't work out and Paul George doesn't work out because Billy Donovan secretly sucks. <laughs> I wonder what it is about him that sucks. Like, he was he was a good coach. I mean, in the, the, the year that Duran and Donovan were there, that was the year that they almost beat the Warriors. And... I think the key word there is almost... At the end of games, they still were like the Thunder teams of past years and that they just ran out of ideas. And, well, for one, Westbrook and Durant both looked shook in the last few minutes of every game against the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Once they got up 3-1. But some of that's got to be coaching. I, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I he, he probably, I mean, he may have some flaws that rub players the wrong way, but I just wish people would... Some reporter out there, please look more into why people don't, why Durant doesn't like Billy Donovan. There's a story there somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, any closing thoughts that you want to get into? This I do not remember there being a more entertaining summer in the NBA ever. This, Even more entertaining than the DeAndre Jordan stuff. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really, really that day. That was the most entertaining day. In probably NBA summer history, but yeah. over the course of the whole summer, this summer has been so wild. And I thought that it was over. I was saying that at the Kyrie trade. I thought at the Kyrie trade, I was like, "Oh my god, this has been the best summer ever." And then, just less than a month before the season starts, we got the Mellow trade. This league is nuts. It is. Um, next weekend, we're gonna have a fantasy preview. Um, the day after that, we're gonna do our fantasy basketball draft, mm-hmm. which is. For a small amount of money, but it's money nevertheless. It's very competitive league. If you want to be in it, hit us up. We have one spot open. Also, follow us on Twitter at BBR Basketball. Visit our website at BBRBasketball.com. And please, please, for the love of God, share our fucking podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We already broke 100 listens on our last episode. And I... That's already more than I thought we would get at this point. Yeah, so please. very appreciative of that. Let's go two hundred for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Tell two friends and make sure they tell two friends and do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been Barbacoa Big Red Basketball. We'll be back next week. <laughs>